Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome into a new episode of BJN Radio. Tyler Uremchuk, the usual, usual host of this show, is away right now. He is currently in Los Angeles, California, watching the Edmonton Oilers get the wheels beaten off of them in Game 4 by the LA Kings. And I am hosting today, Cam Lewis, and I've got BK here with me. BK, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, let's hope for uh, Oiler Nation's sake that uh, you talking about the wheels beating off of them isn't relevant when the podcast comes out because the Oilers have made a crazy comeback. But yeah, 3 nothing in the first intermission now. So uh, why not talk about baseball instead? Yeah, let's uh, let's 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 help me for, forget completely that this hockey game is happening right now and just instead zone into what was, again, a pretty solid series for the Blue Jays a competitive series against an AL East rival. We've mentioned on pretty much every podcast this season that the AL East looks out of control. Just when you think it couldn't be any better, it got better. All of the teams are over 500. The Tampa Bay Rays are unstoppable. The Orioles are inexplicably unstoppable. The Yankees look good. But as we know, the Jays ruined Tampa Bay's perfect start to the season handed them their first two losses of the year, and then they go into New York and beat the Yankees in two out of three. So that's four and two now against two of the best teams in the American League East. BK, how are we feeling about this series in New York? Do you feel better about the Jays now than you did a few days ago coming out of Houston? I think record aside, um, seeing such a promising series from the starting pitching, and you know what, the Yankees offense truth be told, isn't that great? I mean, they, you know, the reputation or the way people would think of the Yankees as their, uh, their powerful offense, but they really seem to be kind of judge Rizzo and Torres when he's hot. And uh, yeah, the bottom half of the order isn't really all that scary. So despite the Yankees not being an elite offense, it's still um, at a really impressive week uh, for pitching dating back to the Houston series outside of the one, really the one inning that Gosman had that was rough. Um, but yeah, they, they, they pitched incredibly uh, against the Yankees and four and two is a big deal against the Rays and the Yankees. Like you said, um, especially now that you play these teams last, right? So, you know, in the past you'd have 19 games a year against the AL East opponents. And now it's down to, I believe 14. Um, so yeah, winning these games and, and these showdowns are all the more important now because there's less games uh, to be played between the teams. So it's a really good start in the AL East. And, and obviously a few things we'll get to that aren't clicking on all cylinders with the team right now, but all in all, you got to be pretty happy with where the record stands um, and, and not forgetting that five of the seven series they played have been on the road too. Right. So Jays have played really well at home uh, historically, obviously this year, small sample size, but they've been well at home and won both those series as well. 
Um, but yeah, to have a, a record like this after so many road series and a big, uh, big series against the Yankees, not much you uh, can complain about. No, not at all. So let's jump in now to, we're going to do a different version of three up, three down. I kind of thought, you know what? They just took two out of three from the Yankees. Let's get some good vibes, some positive energy in here. And I came up with six things to talk about in the up section, along with the three downs. There were unfortunately three bad things to talk about from this series. Let's just go through game by game and hand out some ups and downs. The first up that I have from game one was another Yusei Kuchi gem. This is kind of what we're becoming accustomed to this season. He was killing it in spring training, ripped right into the season, and he's looked even better than a number five starter. Against the Yankees, he goes six innings pitch, just one earned run on four hits, one walk, and two strikeouts. Not that many strikeouts, but his ERA on the season is now down to 380. What did you see from Kikuchi in that start? What's he doing now that's made him look so much better than last year? It, it kind of feels like one of those hard-to-pinpoint things because – it, it just it feels like confidence with him like you watch him on the mound he's got a little bit more presence than he had last year and he seems really um confident in what he's capable of doing and i think we saw last year really the moment anything went even moderately wrong or against him it seemed like he just imploded from there um i'd watch games where like the first the first batter of the game he'd throw two balls to start the batter and you'd be like oh no like <laughs> like he's he's already feeling He's not feeling it. You can tell watching him. So now I'm like, oh, how's this going to go? And he's just fighting himself and fighting himself. And it doesn't seem like he's fighting himself this year. He's always had good stuff. Um, he's obviously capable of being a little bit of homer prone and that type of thing. But if he's limiting the walks, uh, then these home runs are going to be solo home runs more often than the three-run home runs. And his pitch count is going to be 15 to 20 per inning opposed to 25 or 30. So he's allowing himself to pitch a little deeper into a game and and uh, let the defense do work behind him, and he's just not killing himself with the walks, right? I think this is the first game he pitched this year where he had more than a single walk, and that's not the Yusei Kikuchi we saw last year. Historically, that's been more in line with what he's capable of doing, but last year it was just like, you know, uh, walk five guys in, in three innings and give up a couple long balls and just horrific stat lines, and he's not doing that this year. So, yeah, I... I, I was looking at some of the the other day, some of his like in the zone and out of the zone stats. And honestly, he's not like wildly different than last year. But I think what he's doing is his misses aren't as bad. So he's a, a lot of pitches that are just just outside of the strike zone that he's sometimes getting swings on. Maybe he's getting calls from the umpire on. Um, but yeah, he seems to be more around the zone, um, even if he's not directly in it the, uh, anymore. And uh, yeah, just like I said, the confidence seems to be a big carrying thing for him right now. My next two ups here, I'm just going to kind of mush them together. Kikuchi held down the fort and allowed only one run that game. The Jays wind up winning the Friday game 6-1 to one off of a home run from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the first inning and also a 2-4 for four day from Brandon Belt in which he drove in four RBIs. It was nice to finally see Brandon Belt come through with some offense. But the up here for me that I wanted to zone in on was Vladdy before the game was asked to clarify some comments he made during the offseason in which he said, he never wanted to play for the Yankees. was never going to happen. And they asked him, do you want to clarify this? Um, is this like your official stance? And he says, it's a personal thing. It goes back with my family. That's my decision, and I will never change that. So Vladi outright just says, I don't want to play for the Yankees. Don't like him at all. And then in his first at bat, he drills a two-run bomb. That is, that, that, that's insane. What, what do you think is going on here? What, why do you think Vladi hates the Yankees so much? Um, it, it, it was kind of more fun when it was just the off season and it was, 
I Yankees and and we just got to like think that was through the lens of playing them the last couple of years and just growing this like fun sports hatred on his own. The fact that it's now pivoted to like, oh, this is family history and personal. It's like, oh, okay, well, it's a little less fun if that's the case. I think I, I want to say the reporter's name was uh, right. The reporter who said this was Andy Martino out of New York. Um, uh, but he tweeted the other day. He said, I, you know, I, I didn't realize this, but Vlad senior had an agreement with Cashman. Um, at one point and then Steinbrenner came in and signed somebody else instead. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe the off season that Vlad senior was a free agent ended up signing with the angels. Um, uh, maybe he had an agreement verbally full, like you know, fully agreed to as far as like what the terms were with the Yankees. And then it got pulled off the table from him. Um, and maybe that's why he, he feels this way. Although I will, will say the funny thing about it is, Vlad Sr., he recently was asked about Junior's comments, and he said specifically, he's like, hey, you shouldn't be saying that. Like, you never no, know. You might need to leverage negotiate. your money or whatever. Yeah. So that part's funny because if if uh, if the reason is this, like, this pulled contract from Vlad Sr., it's funny that he doesn't care. And he's like, yo, like, leverage the Yankees, of course, son. Come on. And, and you know, Vlad, he's just like, no, yeah, forget it. I hate the Yankees. And, uh, again, I, I love it regardless. Um, the context is a little interesting. And I just I wish it was nothing but just this, like, this visceral hatred that we all have for the Yankees that Vlad also has. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun nonetheless. I mean, the fact he can go out and hit these bombs in Yankee Stadium – it's a hard place to hit a home run, pull home runs for a right-handed hitter too. Um, but he's hitting these like laser beams out. Um, yeah, it's great that he's backing up the talk and uh, kind of making this kind of rivalry with him and the Yankees fans, right? It's fun. Like they hate him. They can't stand him. And it's so fun to watch play out, especially when you've got weekends like this where the Jays are winning the series and he's mashing the ball. It's kind of a funny thing because John Heyman mentioned on Twitter, he's like, oh, you know, people usually use the Yankees as leverage like you already can mm. kind of see this right now there was a Jim Bowden article that goes out in the athletic where they're talking about Matt Chapman's free agency in the middle of April and he's already talking about how Matt Chapman perfectly fits as a third baseman essentially for the Yankees and that's already becoming a thing it's like this negotiations already starting so Vladdy taking the Yankees out of that is really interesting but or interesting but anyways I want to get to the one down from the first game and I'll preface this by saying I don't usually like being critical of yeah, there's other sports media, other broadcasts, different things. It's hard to produce. And I think that generally broadcasts get a pretty negative rap. You just, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You can put the game on muting if you hate it. But the Apple broadcast on Friday was uniquely difficult to watch. There was something weird and almost dystopian about the way they had in between innings. Just sometimes they'd like absently walk around the stadium and that was your view. And then sometimes the camera would just kind of be panning and showing the random things that were happening on the field. It just felt like they were trying to squeeze like a month's worth of in-game content into one game. And it was so hard to follow. Yeah, I kind of appreciate that this was one of those games where I was kind of only able to peripherally watch most of it because I had family stuff going on. So games on in the background, but I'm not having to like endure the pain of the Apple broadcast <laughs> that I'm hearing from everybody on Twitter. It was pretty universal how they felt about that. You know, there's like a prolonged segment where they had a soccer like MLS yes. broadcaster on talking about soccer for um, half an inning, which great. Like I know Apple has the, uh, the MLS, MLS deal, um, their rights, but man, like it's just not, not for that much time to have a conversation about soccer and, and all that stuff. So I, I've, I, I've been fr somewhat frustrated with these in the past. Um, I'd say I'm more so frustrated with poor broadcasts like this 
again, just not from my own experience, just because I was watching peripherally, but knowing that this is kind of what the Apple broadcasts are like when people have to pay for it now, right? Like last year, at least Apple was basically all they needed was your email and, you know, you needed to have an Apple login, which basically everybody has, and that got you these games. Now you have to have Apple TV to be able to access these games. So you're paying on top of whatever you're paying for Sportsnet or Sportsnet Now to watch the Blue Jays. You're not paying to watch, you know, two games in the next two months um, and to have a broadcast that's so not baseball focused or so all over the place with what they're doing. Um, yeah, I wish I wish it would have felt a little more cleaned up because this is now year two of it, right? Like this isn't brand new to Apple. They've been doing this for 20, for 12 months now. So yeah, not ideal. No, not ideal at all. So let's jump ahead to game two. And my first up here, I have two ups and one down. My first up was another strong pitching performance. Back to back, Alec Manoa, there was starting to become quite a few concerns. It was a big topic of conversation in the outfield. You have a whole bunch of people who say, his ERA is quite a bit better than his FIP. Maybe he's not this uh, young guy we think he is. And then he has a few bad starts and everyone's like, oh, he's broken. But Alec Manoa, as he always has done, dominates the New York Yankees in New York to the tune of seven innings pitched, two hits, one walk, zero runs, five strikeouts. What was different from Alec Manoa in that start on Saturday? He had a better feel for uh, at least being in and around the zone. His stuff was a little better. I, he had a, a, a little bit more velo. Um, but yeah, he just seemed to to really use the slider effectively when when it was you know the right count for him to go get an out, uh, whether it was a, a swing and miss or, or a weak hit and and that type of thing. Like it was a pretty dominant outing. And I, I don't know how you felt going into it. I really had no idea. Like anything between like another flame out and seven shutout innings was in the realm of possibility for me. And he did it efficiently, right? Like he could have pitched into the eighth based on his pitch count. Um, but man, like as far, like I said at the beginning, like when you're talking confidence and where, where things stand for um, the Blue Jays now and how you kind of feel coming out of the stretch, the pitching figuring itself out and more important than anybody, Manoa looking dominant was really, really important. I don't know if you remember like thinking back to that Kansas City start he had, the one good start, you know, quote unquote good start he had. That was a really fortunate good start, right? Yeah. Terrible offense. He walked four guys. He gave up a lot of loud contact that just fortunately had, ended up in being outs. Um, so as, as much as that was, I believe that was seven innings and, you know, seven really good innings as far as like just, you know, the runs he gave up in that game. He still wasn't the guy we were comfortable with or familiar with from last year. This Yankee Stadium start was like peak Alec Manoa we're used to. And that really feels good as you're going into his next set of starts here and what to expect. So yeah, I, I, I had no idea what to expect. He basically delivered as good a performance as you could want. And that kind of made the loss sting a little bit less because when you're just talking big picture blue Jays, that was a really important positive for them to have coming out of that, that game. Yeah. And it's good. You mentioned the 85 pitches thing. Cause that's my down from the game. And I mean, you can kind of kind of wrap the down in this game, however you want. They wound up losing, of course, in a walk off in the bottom of the ninth inning. But before we got there, Manoa was pulled after seven innings, 85 pitches. Jimmy Garcia comes in, allows two runs. The Jays come back. Um, Danny Jansen hits. They said this on the broadcast today. It was the first pinch hit home run the Jays have had since Rowdy Telez hit one in 2019, which sounds insane and inaccurate wow. to me, but I, I don't want to look that up. Like It feels like they did that in 2021. I feel like Lourdes Gurriel did it for some reason, but alas, my down here is pulling Manoa too quickly. I kind of wish that John Schneider let him cook. 
You agree? Yeah, I yeah, I agree with you. I tend to not have like an overly strong opinion on things like this because, you know, I just based on pitch count alone isn't the only thing to look into. No, he didn't have a lot of high stress innings, but also we're we're in April and pitching to the eighth, like there's not many pitchers at all who are doing that. Um I, again, I, w- I would have liked to have seen it. I would have been fine seeing Manoa come out if I'm making that choice with the information I have and know I would have done it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not something I look like, like, oh, like that. it's clearly a, a boneheaded move or decision on Schneider to make. Um, I Jimmy Garcia, who's kind of had a weird year, right? Because like you look at him in spring and the WBC and he's got this like fastball velo that he hasn't had in the past and and uh, all the baseball savant stuff on his fastball profile says it's such an elite pitch. And he's looked dominant for a handful of outings this year already. And he's given up runs in like, I think, four different outings too. So maybe five. I think it's four or five. Um, so like I I feel better about Jimmy Garcia than his stat line shows. I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. But like his ERA sucks this year. It, is, you know, it makes his numbers look awful. But I feel pretty good about him. At the same time, you're bringing him in for the seven, eight, nine hitters. I believe they, they were at the bottom of the order. And for him to go give up two runs like that, like that's a problem. He got the first two guys out, no problem. But then Oswaldo Peraza, who hit the um, uh, – was it Oswaldo Peraza? I don't know. They have two yeah, Oswalds. They have like an Oswald and Oswaldo, yeah, was, and I'm like, that's going to drive me nuts moving forward. It was, um, uh, But yeah. like – the base, the base hit in front of Anthony Volpe was yeah. was a, uh, a slider. He just put right in the middle of the plate. I believe it was an 0-2 count too. But like he he put it right where the opposing batter is going to have the best chance to hit it. And then same with Volpe. It was just two poorly located pitches. So I, I believe in in Jimmy's stuff, um, but he he can't be putting pitches in those locations because they're going to get smacked. And Yankee Stadium, special or not, for Volpe, like he he got enough of that ball to get it out. And he, he drove that pitch and it was a bad pitch regardless of if it would have been out of every ballpark or not. So yeah, that was, that was more frustrating than anything. Jimmy's got to be able to get the bottom of the order of the Yankees, who, which is not a great bottom of the order um, when given the opportunity. Yeah. It's an unfortunate one. And the Jays, like I said, did come back and my other up for this game, we don't need to go into any detail on it. It was just a fun moment seeing Danny Jansen smash a pinch hit home run. And we're kind of hoping he's now going to regress to the mean because he has been completely a ghost at the plate so far this season. So hopefully he eats up. Anyways, back now down to game three. My final up here is, well, again, starting pitching. It's Kevin Gosman tossing another gem. And this is nice to see because he had a really rough one in Houston. And we're not blaming cheating or anything like that. But Kevin Gosman bounces back <laughs> in Yankee Stadium. Seven innings pitch, zero earned runs, three hits, zero walks, 11 Ks. Like when you add it all together, it was what, like 20 innings, one earned run in New York by the, the Jays starting three pitchers. That is. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, dominant, dominant starting pitching and absolutely necessary to see a uh, turnaround like this after some of those awful starts we saw earlier in the year. And then Gossman with a one guy you felt you could fully believe in goes and has the Houston start, like he mentioned. Honestly, that was a weird start. It was the one inning, right? Like the first inning, he got blown up. He stayed in that game and only gave up one more run over the next, what, like four innings? Like I think he so. pitched five, I believe, uh, maybe four and two thirds. But like he was fine after that, too. So I don't know what was going on in that start. Um, he's, you know, fighting himself, his mechanics, his stuff, whatever. But like he's had one bad inning, basically, this whole season. I tweeted out today. 
uh, after the game, I'm, I'm almost certain I didn't look this up. I'm just making an assumption, but I'm almost certain he's the only pitcher in history. Who's get, who's had an inning where they've given up seven earned runs and also have a sub three ERA this early in the season. Like, it doesn't feel possible, except that's the only inning he's really given up any damage at all. He's been fantastic outside of that. So um, yeah, I mean, you feel really good about him moving forward and his stuff. He looked brilliant, right? He still kind of had that like lesser velo early in the game. And then he kind of ramped it up when he wanted to. So it kind of seems this year, like he's pitching more at 91 to 92, unless he really wants to dial it back and, and get that big fastball. And um, if that works, you know, if he feels like saving his arm or allowing him to go deeper in a game or whatever it is, or, or maybe he just doesn't feel like he has the, what he needs to be sitting 95 whatever, that's fine. If the splitter's dancing like it is and he's able to locate that fastball, he's a dominant pitcher. He's, he's a legitimate ace. And and uh, your ace came out and shut down the Yankees with a ton of strikeouts, no walks, just a brilliant effort. And it was really fun baseball to watch. Yeah, like you said, it's pretty impressive. Seven earned runs in a start. And then the following start, he gets his ERA all the, back, all the way back down to 2.84. Anyways, Gosman, fantastic. And the Jays get offense in that game. Vladdy mashes a two-run home run. Dalton Barshow comes up and matches a home run right after that. Danny Jansen drove in two runs, but one guy who's kind of been scuffling at the plate, and I saved this for at the end because I think it might be an interesting conversation to have, is George Springer. He goes 0 for 5 in the finale on Sunday, and if my math is correct, the past 15 games, he's gone 11 for 62 on the season. His batting average is now 198, and his OPS is 571. We're not really used to seeing situations where George Springer is healthy and on the field and not contributing. What do you think's wrong? Do you think they need to slide him down the order out of the leadoff spot and into a different look for a little while? Well, you, you made a great point there because anytime we've seen George struggle in the last two years as a Blue Jay has been a direct result of him fighting an injury or coming back from an injury but still feeling it. Um, so we've we've experienced George Springer not looking like George Springer, but it really hasn't ever felt like that's been the case when you're feet, when at least uh, from the information we have now, Springer's healthy, right? Like he talked about it in spring. He felt good. He's been playing consistently. He hasn't been pulled like from spring or regular season from any games or given a rest day that kind of surprises us because he just had one kind of thing. Like Springer, as far as we know, is really healthy. And this is the first time we've seen him struggle and he's just not punishing the baseball, right? Like he's not hitting for a lot. You know, actually the, I'll, I'll give him a pass. The Houston series, he was kind of robbed a bit. He was making yep. loud ish contact and was just he, either a great defensive play or he hits it right at the defender or he flies out to the warning track in center field in Houston. Like that's, that's a, a deep hit. And obviously if that's a little left, a little right, it's a home run, that kind of thing. Um, so that's, I, I, I guess something you can hope on or, or dream on with Springer moving forward, but in general, yeah, he just like his swing decisions haven't seemed great. Like he's chasing a lot and, and, uh, just a lot of weak contact. We think back to the hilarious first game of the year against St. Louis where he gets five hits and like one of them was solid contact and the other forward just kind of flew, get the bat on the ball and he just found a hole. Um, you, you come out of that game feeling great about Springer just because <laughs> that line's awesome. But after that, he just kept not punishing the baseball. And it's been kind of the story of the whole year. So um, to see him sitting at like, uh, what, a 61 weighted runs created plus right now mm-hmm, in yeah. the season, like this is George Springer, man. Like that's super weird. Um, and that's that's in like 100 plate appearances. So it's not the tiniest sample. So 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to get him right, but they need to do that. And I don't think they're going to pull lead off from him. I don't think I would do that either. Like, I'm not sure there's a really an answer to moving and for somebody to be in the leadoff spot, spot who's not Springer. So I wouldn't advocate for that unless the, the struggles were more sustained, but yeah, it's not good. Not a good feeling seeing George just not look like George. Ready to pop the question. The jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. No, it's weird. We've seen him. I think it's been noticeable a few times. He's kind of swung through uh, like a down the pipe sub 95 fastball. And you're like, oh man, you know, I have a lot of memories of George Swinger mashing this exact pitch and hitting it into space. Yep. But alas, here we are. That was a good series. There was certainly a lot more to like than to complain about. And the next series coming up is against a pretty bad team. The Chicago White Sox, they lost to the Tampa Bay Rays on Sunday by a score of four to one. And they are now seven and 15 on the season. It'll be Chris Bassett going up against Lance Lynn, Jose Barrios versus Mike Clevenger. And you say Kikuchi versus Michael Kopech. Why are the White Sox so bad this year? This is a team that I'll be totally honest with you. I don't really follow all too closely. I think the central division is kind of a joke and I don't really care about any of the teams. Do you have a better idea of what's going on with Chicago? Yeah, they're they're a weird team. They were one of those uh, full teardown rebuild teams that like just seem to never like they had that one year where you're like, oh, man, the White Sox are fun and they got all this young talent. They're emerging and all this stuff. And they signed a lot of these guys to extensions and they they've just kind of been this like, I don't know, this like stagnant franchise that hasn't been able to take a step forward and actually taken steps back since then. And they did the Tony La Russa thing, which was just hilariously weird brain dead by their ownership <laughs> and uh and now you know they've got a you know a new manager a new voice in there this year and charlie montoya is a bench yeah, coach right. coming coming his return to toronto but yeah it's just it's a weird team and uh i i do know tim anderson really like drives the bus for that org and he's out he's been out for most of the year with an injury 
Um, so that's probably playing into it some, but yeah, I mean, they're just, you know, kind of a, a meh roster, like the, ro- the rotation, they've got an ace capable pitcher in Dylan Cease, who the Jays thankfully will avoid in the series, but Lance Lynn is aging and he's been lousy this year. And Mike Clevenger is kind of a weird signing for them. And he's yeah. been, you know, okay, mediocre. And um, uh, yeah. Who's the third starter they're facing okay. in this one? Michael That's Kopech. right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, former, you know, Red Sox mega prospect. And he's just kind of been this arm talent that you dream on and, and hope can become a thing. And he just hasn't, you know, he himself hasn't taken the big step forward for any sustained period of time. You see flashes with him and, and uh, where, where he looks really good, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really curious um, to, to see how the Jays come out in a series like this, where they return home, but it's, um, you know, not a marquee opponent. Uh, they, they need to go get a sweep, right? Like they need yeah. to, they need to hunt, you know, sweeps opposed to only winning two of three and, and not to be too greedy and two of three in almost every case is going to be fine. And you're going to be happy with that. But, you know, they didn't, you know, they lost the game to Kansas city. They lost the game to Detroit. These, these, you know, worse, more mediocre teams. Um, at some point you want to win three so that you can, uh, well, winning three now just means that you keep pace with Tampa instead of actually gaining <laughs> a game on them. But yeah, it'd be nice to just see them come out and win a series where they, you know, probably should be favored in each of the games. Um, even if just slightly in some of them, but I, you know, the, the Blue Jays are a good team. They need to have an opportunity. They have an opportunity here to, to show it by just beating a team that's really struggling through the mud this, this uh, first month of the season. Yeah, you bring up Tampa Bay, and they are currently on a five-game winning streak. They're 19-3, and three, of course. Two of those wins come from the Blue Jays, but despite that, they've already remade up that ground. The Jays are tied with the Yankees in the standings at 13-9. and nine. Uh, Meanwhile, while the Jays are playing the Shy Sox, uh, Tampa's got an, a challenge here, finally. They're going and they're hosting the Houston Astros. So, I mean, Houston took two out of three from Toronto. I'll be honest with you. I think if Tampa goes ahead and sweeps the Astros, I might be pretty comfortable, unfortunately, crowning them American League oh, man. champions, which is yeah, it's just gross to say. It's outrageous. And you know what? Like, I don't know if you saw what happened this weekend, but uh, Houston went into Atlanta and swept the Braves. And the Braves are that, but coming into that series were like the second hottest team in baseball um, behind the Rays. Houston went in there and won all three games. So, um, you know, the Blue Jays obviously had a tough series with them earlier in the week, but Houston that went on the road in a very hard place and performed even better. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how how Tampa does going up against a big measuring stick opponent like the Astros. And hopefully the Astros can do us a solid and, and stay hot as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's absolutely absurd to have the record the Jays have at this time of the year and be looking like as far <laughs> up in the division standings as they are. It's just outrageous. They at least it's just an absolute pain. Just like kill me having to be in this division forever. It's fun not to play them as often. But all that means is the division is going to have more wins. Right. It just raises the bar because you're not beating up on each other. You're just every team's going out and we're okay. We got to play the central Vandal central and beat up on those teams more and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's always, always fun. Just seeing what team's going to emerge in the first half of the season of the AL East is just a behemoth best team in baseball kind of run. Yeah. I keep looking at those, uh, mixed up, changed realignment divisions, the, you know, big 32 team league with the four divisions of eight teams. And I'm seeing Toronto in there with, Detroit, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, and I'm like, yes, that would be 
much preferable oh. situation. That would be fun. how annoying is it? How annoying is it watching like like we just talked about the White Sox, right? The full teardown they did, the Tigers, like the full teardown oh, they man. did. And those are obviously the Tigers are much behind the White Sox in their trajectory, but the Tigers, like last year, were supposed to start being decent. That's why they went and got Eduardo Rodriguez and Javi Baez, and they looked really bleak, man. And I'm like, why couldn't the Orioles rebuild have gone like that? Like, why <laughs> did everything in this stupid division is run so? flawlessly outside of the Red Sox. It's been kind of weird the last couple of years, but like they've got Heim Bloom there from the Rays Let and eventually their, their farm system is just going to start sprouting something because I just can't imagine any like tentacle of the Rays is going to be horrific in a no. leadership role somewhere else. So like I, why couldn't the Orioles have been one of these awful right? other teams where the rebuild just sucked, right? Good, or, like the good. Cubs, like they're the Cubs, did the full teardown and yes, they're having a really good start to the year, but like they just decided to start spending money again. The Cubs really haven't gone and produced like a bunch of talent from the minor league side of things. And here we have the Orioles, like they've got three high end hitting prospects who aren't even in the big leagues yet. And they're all <laughs> batting left-handed. So that because they decided we're going to change our ballpark and make it impossible for right-handers to hit home runs. And then we'll just make sure we have nine left-handed batters in the lineup. Like they just did everything so well. And the Orioles are still a pain. And we've talked about it in the past, how like it's so dumb that they didn't spend money and try to get better this offseason. They could be really Because they have a core that is capable and was capable of taking another step forward this year. And I'm very thankful they didn't. But at the same time, like they have from a development standpoint, done everything well. Why couldn't one of these crappy rebuild teams <laughs> have been the Orioles? So yeah, it's just this like ridiculous division to be in, and it's always a pain in it it makes the path to a world series that much more difficult. If like you can be a top six team in baseball, but still be staring down a wild card berth because of the circumstance. Anyways, I'm just tired of the race and that just spreads to everything else in the AL East and it sucks, but Blue oh. Jays are fun. I enjoy watching them. Exactly. It was a pretty good weekend. And you know what, to be honest, I'd rather listen to you rant about the American league East than watch whatever game four has been between the Oilers and Kings. I'm not enjoying it, so I have appreciated the distraction, BK. Thank you very much for joining me. We will have you on again soon. Enjoy the Blue Jays and the White Sox, and enjoy your week. Best wishes, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.